0: This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. So you can use the promo code BLUECHIP, all one word, to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernishan. I'm not joined by Devin today. Devin is moving, but don't worry. I found a suitable replacement for him, a suitable fill-in. It's Tyler Fornis of Blue Chip Scouting. I'm in the pocket. And now, NBC Sports. Tyler, how are you?
1: I'm a big boy now, Mike, and it feels good.
0: <laughs> That's right. I figured I would drop the NBC Sports so that you didn't have to. Uh, <laughs> No preview pod this week, obviously with Devin and I not being here. I tweeted out my picks yesterday. Uh, Devin has uh, also tweeted out. Um, mostly because by the time you listen to this on Friday, two ranked games will have already happened, so it doesn't make any sense to do that. Uh, so Tyler and I are just going to talk about some uh, some prospects that have done really well this year in racer stocks and some guys that have really underperformed. So Tyler, since you are the guest, why don't you get us started?
1: Absolutely. And first, I, I just want to say, one, thank you for having me on. And two, Absolutely. Um, RIP our chance. Coastal broke my heart last <laughs> night. Um, it really hurt. But let's kind of start with Coastal. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, quarterback Race McCall. And I think he really has raised the stock. And he's a very interesting prospect because they play in one of the more unique offenses I've ever seen. Very RPO, shotgun triple option heavy. He does a, They do a little bit of everything out of that offense, but McCall himself is not a running quarterback. He is a passer, but he's incredibly accurate. He's got good juice on his, with his arm, but when he throws the football, his left foot's in Long Island and his right foot's in San Diego. I don't understand <laughs> why it makes sense, but it just does, and if somebody can clean up his mechanics, I think he has a real future in the NFL. I don't necessarily know if that's going to be this year. This year is intriguing because if he has a phenomenal draft process along with the skill sets that he possesses and the accuracy and touch that he places on the football, he could be a very high draft pick because there is no great quarterback this year. But at the same time, do you want to be in a class where there's, everybody knows there's no great quarterback? So I wouldn't be shocked to see McCall come back another year, but he's played really well and he's opened eyes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think it was a, a shocker that I had him as a fifth coming into the season. Uh, You know, there was a lot to like, but there was so much that needed to be cleaned up. And for the most part, aside from the, you know, the spacing of where his feet are, like you said, uh everything seems to have improved greatly. He's like uh completing at 79 percent or something insane like that on the season. Uh, He had a 100% completion game. Granted, I think it was against UL Monroe, so take that with a grain of salt. But that UL Monroe defense picked off Malik Willis three times, so maybe Mm -hmm. not. This, I mean, I think right now he's he's definitely worked his way into the day two conversation. It's just how high are you willing to take a guy like this? But granted, he's a redshirt sophomore at Coastal Carolina. Imagine saying this three years ago.
1: Yeah, Coastal Carolina has had quite the rise. Jamie Chavel has that team playing really well. They have other really good prospects, Jeff Gunter, Isaiah Likely, and the fact that he Jay is um, – Javon Hiley, the, the yeah. other
0: wide receiver for him.
1: Yeah, and Likely is the number four, and he had likely four touchdowns. Um, I can't remember who it was against. Um, uh,
0: Arkansas State.
1: Oh, yeah, Arkansas State. That Stop starting Blackman. It's really not that hard. <laughs> He's not uh, it. You he, stop making not. him, like, fetch.
0: <laughs> There's our first Mean Girls po- uh, reference on the podcast. I'm going to go with a, with another guy that, that definitely raised his stock. Uh, Zach Charbonnet out of U- UCLA, the former Michigan kid. Um, I didn't think he was going to be draftable based off of what he showed at Michigan, but he's gone into that Chip Kelly offense. And I mean, it's I shouldn't be surprised. It's a running back in Chip Kelly's offense, but he's putting up numbers. He's consistently just you know breaking off long runs. He's a smooth runner. He protects the football in a running back class that really has lost a lot of the luster we thought it had at the at the beginning of the year. You know, after the top three, it's a complete crapshoot. You know, is Brees Hall in your top three? Is Kyron Williams like? It seems to be Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker, and then a just complete cliff. Maybe Zach Charbonnet is playing his way into, like, round two, round three, which, given that he was a late-round guy the first couple of weeks or coming into the year, that's a pretty impressive jump in a new offense.
1: No, it absolutely is, and I think it goes to the show the future value of the transfer portal, and these guys, because there's so much unknown with these high school prospects. Like these college coaches just can't watch everything from everybody. Mm -hmm. They're taking a look at as as condensed as they possibly can to try and look at traits they can develop. And sometimes traits don't develop. and Or you have guys that just happen to be better or the traits develop faster. And then you get a guy like Charbonnet lost in the shuffle at Michigan who ends up going to UCLA and those traits really start to pop off. And especially Chip Kelly, for all the crap that he gets, he knows how to run the damn ball. And it's very evident with UCLA. They have a senior quarterback who can be spotty with his decision making, but you put Charbonnet in the backfield and he's able to really counterbalance that with a great rushing attack. And I think you're right. He has played himself into a really good position come draft season. All right, who's your next guy? Do you want to go with
0: someone who's still impressing, or do you want to go with someone that needs to pick it up? I'm letting you dictate the flow of this.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. I'm going to go with uh, somebody who has not impressed, and I'm going to start with Wisconsin's Graham Mertz. Mertz had a lot of hype coming into the year. He, last season, he, he started off that Big Ten schedule throwing four touchdowns, and everybody was like, whoa, is this guy for real? Like They called him the Kansas Cannon. The highest rated quarterback that Wisconsin has ever signed. And all of a sudden this year, he's absolutely booty and he's, he's <laughs> terrible and he turned into every Wisconsin quarterback ever other than Russell Wilson. I was going to say other than Russ. <laughs> Look, I don't count him as a Wisconsin quarterback. He is an NC state quarterback to me. Um, and I, to be honest, he's kind of the genesis of the transfer portal. If you think yeah. about it, uh, so he's, he's a Wisconsin quarterback. He's, He's got raw talent, but he's just bad. And if he wants to turn himself into an NFL prospect, he needs to have a really good bounce back junior year and then even a good senior year in order to really uh, make himself suitable for the draft. Because what I've been seeing on the field, his poor decision-making, his inability to read and process things quickly uh, has not been uh, conducive to being an NFL prospect.
0: I'm gonna go with another positive player. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in a really good mood. I'll be, I'll be nice to people for once today. I am Canadian. I should live up to the meme. I'm gonna go with Evan Neal. Now that's gonna sound a little surprising to some because Evan Neal's been getting top five buzz all year. But if you follow me on Twitter, at H underscore draft, by the way, um, you would know that I'm not a very big Evan Neal, uh, fan. Or at least I wasn't over the summer. I didn't think he had great balance. I thought that he played too heavy. Um, he ended up on the ground far too often last year. Yes, there were plays where he was sending dudes flying, but there were an equal number of plays where he misses a block entirely because he's trying to send someone flying, and he ends up eating dirt. This year, that has gone away. Now he actually is starting to play like a top-five pick. And the fact that he could potentially be paired for a team like the New York Jets. Can you imagine having to go up as an edge rusher and on one side you have six foot eight, three hundred and seventy pound Makai Becton, and on the other side you have six foot eight three hundred and seventy pound Evan Neal. That is terrifying. The Jets would have the scariest run blocking team in the NFL history, it seems like. Um but no, like he got a lot of Makai Becton hype, which I didn't quite understand. I compared him over the summer a little bit more to, like, Bryant McKinney, you would know as a Vikings guy. That kind of big, like, hoss, absolute kick the crap out of you. But you're going to have to deal with some mistakes every now and then. But Neil has definitely cleaned up his technique. His balance looks a lot better. And I'm way more willing to to spend a top-ten pick on an Evan Neal this year.
1: I I absolutely agree with you. Evan Neal has taken his stock and skyrocketed it. And he's just played some really, really good football against – some really, really good players. Like they have he's faced the DeMarvin Leals of the world. Mm-hmm. Zach Carter, who I'm gonna talk about here in a little bit. Like he's he's placed faced some good pass rushers, and when they eventually meet Georgia in the SEC title game, it's really gonna to come to a head, and I'm excited to see the battle that he has against that defense. That's line. gonna be so fun. That that Georgia's whole defense could fit into a stock up. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, well, let's kind of transition to my next guy who I already mentioned. Uh, Zach Carter out of Florida. Uh, he's a, he's a big boy. He's like 6'4 and a I half, haven't gotten to yet, so i oh. I'm excited. You will like Zach Carter. Uh, I think he translates best to the NFL as like a Cam Hayward style five technique, but I don't think he should be pigeonholed as one thing because he mm-hmm. can do a lot of things. He's more of a power edge than he is a speed guy, but he is still capable of bending around the edge. You can kind of slide him inside the three technique. He can do a lot of different things for you. And he, I believe so far in the year, he already has eight sacks. Uh, he has really taken off in that absolutely horrendous scheme that Todd Grantham runs, which by the way, is the worst in college football. And he can be fired. <laughs> I'm um, all for
0: Florida propaganda, making its way into my
1: podcast. Yep. Um, <laughs> obviously I'm a, I'm a big Florida fan, but uh, what Zach Carter has done from a strictly draft perspective has been really impressive because he's always had the skill, but he, he just never quite reached his potential. And we're really starting to see it now. And I'm very intrigued to see how the NFL uses him because how he gets used in the NFL, I think is going to determine more what his ceiling is than him himself because he is a very unique player at the edge position for today's football.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy that's been on my watch list from, like, week one, because uh, Devin and I have mentioned it on the podcast. We have to actually mute the group chat uh, on Saturday once uh, Florida kicks off, because there's just too many of you at Blue Chip. So, like, we get the most overanalyzed text about an eight-yard run you could ever imagine, because we get seven opinions of that run. AR-15,
1: let's go. (laughs)
0: I, 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 now it's my turn to be mean, and here's how mean I am, Tyler. I'm gonna go for a three for one special on this one, because they all play God. the same position. I am going with three specific running backs that I had high hopes for coming into the year. One is Eric Gray, the former Tennessee kid that's now at Oklahoma. Uh, one is Bam Knight, the running back at NC State, and the other one, the last one, is Letty Brown at West Virginia. All for very different reasons. Um, Eric Gray, there was a lot of hype coming in. Some people even had him as RB1 in the class. And he's done okay with his touches, but his touches as the season goes on, has gone on... And as the Big 12 guy, I've noticed this. He's getting less and less and less work in that Oklahoma offense. The the lion's share is going to Kennedy Brooks, and Brooks is making the most of those opportunities.
1: But that's a Lincoln-Riley thing. That is a Lincoln-Riley thing. Eric Gray, and it's really tough to parse that out because Gray has done well with his touches, but Lincoln-Riley just wants to run Kennedy Brooks.
0: I I get that. And, And here's the thing. We've seen... Running back twos in offenses be the better player. Like we saw that with Tennessee a couple of years ago with Alvin Kamara over Jalen Hurd. Flashback to Jalen Hurd being 6'4 play and playing running back, mm-hmm. um, before he converted to tight end. Uh, but like, it just seems like Gray isn't going to get as much opportunity because K- Kamara was still, for, to keep that comparison going, was still getting a lot of work in that Tennessee offense. He just wasn't the focal point. It's now getting to the point where like Eric Gray's getting like three or four touches in a game, which it, is he going to put enough film out there? Maybe he might have to come back next year, which might ding him a little bit more because we're talking about a senior running back. Bam Knight, he's just completely lost uh, the faith from uh, head coach Dave Doran. They, they much prefer to give the ball off to Ricky Person Jr. in that offense. And then Letty Brown just has no creativity or field vision, it seems. Everyone likes to talk about that 75-yard run that he uh he put up against uh, Virginia Tech, but outside of that run, he averaged, I believe, 2.8 yards per carry. He had a 2.4 yards per carry uh game against Long Island University. Uh he's just he's definitely not making the most of it. There's not a lot of juice, not a lot of creativity, not great field Uh, vision, and he's running behind a pretty decent offensive line. Like, I think their right guard, Doug Nestor, is pretty pretty good, the former Virginia Tech kid. But he's running behind a decent offensive line and not able to do anything with it, which that's major red flags for a guy that already doesn't have an elite trait like uh, speed or receiving ability.
1: All very fair points. Um, But I'm going to finally take it negative, Mike. And drum roll, please. I, <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take it a little bit of a different round. I'm gonna go John Mechie. Um, we talked about him as Sad. the, as the uh, next like Henry Ruggs, next Jalen Waddle type player, and I just don't think he's lived up to that. I think he is a really good player. He's good with the ball in space, but he's been massively overshadowed by Jamison Williams, who is not getting enough love right now. He is a guy. And I think that he could easily be a top-five receiver in the class if he chooses to come out this year. And I, I just think Mechie, with the top 10, top 15 early hype, has not even come close to living up to that. I think he should consider staying at school in school one more season because of the depth at the top of this class. And he really needs to refine some of those things that made Rugs and Waddle special because he needs to pair his elite-level speed with a little bit better technique.
0: No, I totally agree with it, and obviously I I was really excited for John Mechie to finally be wide receiver one at Alabama because he is Canadian, and I am such a homer for those Canadian boys. But you're absolutely right. Jameson Williams has been the clear number one target. There's a connection there with Bryce Young, and Mechie just hasn't gotten it going yet. Um, I think a team's still going to like him because he is a solid blocker. He's a good route runner, but he just hasn't really shown the what we expected from him. Now, if he comes out, is he a second or a third round pick? Sure, but that's not exactly what we were hoping for. We were hoping for another guy that Alabama could just produce in round one like they've been doing for the last four or five years, and we haven't gotten that. So I, I'm totally on board with, with what you're saying there. I'm going to go back to being positive. Um, I don't think that this is a necessarily a great tight end class. I don't think we're at 2020 levels of bad tight ends where I didn't have any graded in the first two rounds, but I think one guy that's definitely t- uh, done the most in a part of my language, a shitty situation there is Trey McBride at Colorado state because yeah. he was off of a lot of radars because the Rams just aren't good. And that offense is very pedestrian shocker with Steve Adagio as head coach, but, He's been their entire offense this year, and it's getting to the point now where, you know, he's, I think he's leading the Mountain West in receiving yards. If Or no, he's leading the Mountain West for receiving yards by a player that's not a wide receiver. He's among the league, uh, the, the nation's leaders in receiving yards for a tight end. He's He's their entire offense. If he's off the field, they're completely screwed. And in a tight end class where Jaleel Billingsley has been in and out of the doghouse with Nick Saban, Jalen Weidemeyer is not a great athlete. Trey McBride might end up being the first tight end taken.
1: And you know what? Trey McBride is a damn good football player. And I'm going to utilize that to kind of transition into another tight end that I think has been playing very well in that same conference. And that's Cole Turner out in Nevada. Yes. Turner has played extremely well. And especially with cooks out for the season with that broken foot. He really stepped up against Hawaii. I think he had, like, eight catches, 127 yards. Uh, Stat line very similar to that. He is a go-to weapon for Carson Strong, and Turner can go up the field. He can break routes out. He can do a little bit of everything, and when you have a a tight end that you can use as an X or an F, uh, and even an H-back, his versatility is going to be really, really key to success early in the NFL. And Cole Turner is a guy that I have my eye on to potentially be that tight end one, even with uh, Widemir and uh, Billingsley potentially in this class as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Turner, he caught
0: my eye when I was watching the game against Kansas State. Uh, And, you know, obviously all eyes were on Carson Strong that day. Sleeper Carson Strong. Uh, (laughs) However, Cole Turner is – that Nevada offense is is loaded because – when fully healthy, they have uh, Dubs, Turner, and Elijah Cooks. It's it's insane. Um, I'm going to go with another stock down guy. Um, man, I wanted to like Will McDonald so much over the summer because he showed out. He put up good production. He, he had a solid pass rush plan. That has all gone away this year. And part of it is because Iowa State insists on playing him as a five tech despite being 245 pounds, which is disgusting when he's clearly a stand-up rusher at the next level. But I just don't think that he's got enough juice. I don't know if he's playing hurt or if he's just put on some bad weight. It doesn't look the same as he did last year. He's been shut down in pretty much every game. I think Iowa he had a sack, but in the other games from. Iowa State that I've watched, he's looked sluggish. Uh, if his first move is denied, he's got nothing. He was very bad against Northern Iowa, going up against Trevor Penning, who's gotten some buzz this year. I, I just don't know. I, when you're two forty five, I'm expecting a lot more juice out of you. And when when I've watched Will McDonald, who was the nation's lead uh, leader in sacks last year, it's just
1: gone. I don't know what happened to him. It's,
0: it's very bizarre.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. That, that whole Iowa State team, let's just be honest here. It's bizarre world. It I really is. I, I don't understand what Matt Campbell is trying to do. I don't understand why he's this hot commodity as the head coach. Look, he turned an Iowa State team that was perpetually like four and eight, five and seven to an eight and four, nine and three team. Yeah. That's pretty dang good. But what do you like offer after that? I haven't quite put my, my finger on it. Like uh,
0: everyone, I could just say every draftable prospect from Iowa State fits in this in in a stock down because Brees Hall hasn't played well this year. He's had like one or two half decent games. We all know that Brock Purdy isn't good at football. Charlie Kolar moves like he's he's like
1: stuck in quicksand. Charlie um, Kolar is plank from Ed Nanetti <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty much. And then on defense, like, Mike Rose is just a tackle machine. Will McDonald is an – Will McDonald this year is playing, like, Michael Sam athletically, and that's not exactly a compliment. If you remember Michael Sam, he ran very upright, didn't have a lot of juice, ran a slow 40, but he put up numbers. And that's kind of what I get the sense now with with Will McDonald.
1: Yeah. um, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, so, next guy for me is a guy that uh, some have been proclaiming a sleeper, but he hasn't really been a sleeper since high school. Uh, one guy that's really impressed me and improved his stocks is Daxton Hill. Yeah, I was just like, who's he talking about? I think Daxton. And I think it's really interesting. He started at Alabama and then uh, moved, uh, kind of moved forward um, and, and went to Michigan. And then he's just shown everything every ounce of potential that he possibly could have. And it's all coming to fruition. And he is a very, very talented player. You can play him in the box. You can play him as as in a deep middle. You can play him deep third. You can use him as a blitzer. He just does everything at a high level. And when you have a safety like Kyle Hamilton in this class, to be able to have a second safety, uh, even close to what Hamilton brings to the table, I think speaks to the volume of this class and if you need a safety, you have two really good ones that you can find.
0: Yeah, coming into the end of the season, Daxton Hill wasn't really too much on my radar. Like I knew I was going to get to him eventually, but man, I had I had to revert course very fast into the season because I heard he was playing phenomenally. He's outplayed the other Big Ten safety that we all thought was going to be you know the the next guy after Kyle Hamilton, which was Brandon Joseph. Um, Daxton Hill looking like a first round lock at this point. That. Tyler, I'm going to bring it back to quarterbacks, but I'm going to go for a positive. I, we've seen a lot of negativity around this quarterback class because all the guys that we thought were going to be the top guys have played like crap, uh, except for Matt Corral. But I'm going to go with a guy that every year there's that guy that's a, a day three player that everyone manufactures it, it, it either artificially or naturally because of uh, play improvement. This year, I think it's a bit of both with this guy. Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Now, he's been in college for what seems like 13 years. I swear he's older than me, which is saying something. He might He's be older me. than me, Mike. I was gonna make that exact same joke, so I'm glad you saw that one coming. Kenny Pickett's been in college forever, and he worked, I wanna say he worked with Quincy Avery over the- or, no, it was Jordan Palmer. I couldn't remember which, uh, which QB guru. And any of the mechanical issues he was- he had been having from his uh, freshman campaign, because he's been there as a starter since he was a true freshman, through till now, they seem to have gone away. And he's much more willing to throw the ball downfield. He's reading the field so much better, making really solid decisions. And he's that pit offense is somehow high-powered, which I never thought I'd say with Coach Narduzzi at the helm. But that pit team is really good and Kenny Pickett is a big reason why. I know the last time we all got very excited about a pick quarterback was, uh, Nathan Peter meme. But, uh, <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> but Kenny Pickett, he might actually play his way into round one, which is something no one could have seen coming.
1: Listen, the Gil brands of the world are going to tell you seven and three quarter inch hands make him undraftable. So that his is his, going his to-
0: hands that small?
1: Uh, from Jeez. what I've heard, yes. Those uh, are smaller uh,
0: than mine.
1: So you remember Dante Culpepper? Yep. Six four, two sixty five, had every trait in the book that you would want in a starting quarterback, but he had nine inch hands, which was like the minimum threshold. He he set an NFL record at the time. I don't know if it's been matched yet. It might have been matched by Eli or Daniel Jones. Um he, he fumbled the ball twenty six times in two thousand two oh. or two thousand three. Oh. Yeah. Oops. Um the small hands thing isn't a deal breaker, but it's it, there's a reason why they talk about it. No, it, you're right. It's a reason why I never played quarterback. I have really small hands. No, um, the reason why you never played quarterback is because you stink, Mike. That too. <laughs> All <laughs> that right, too. Let's, let's do another stock down, and it's a guy that I had a lot of faith in um, early in this process, and I still have some faith in, but I just have too many questions, and that's Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. His game against Louisiana Monroe I watched live, and he just had to play hero ball. Uh, his, that offense doesn't suit him nearly to the level that uh, it did last year. He's not really showing any growth inside the pocket. But then again, that offense doesn't really give you the opportunity to grow within the pocket. It's a very weird situation for that, for him. It's He's kind of living the same thing as Sam Howell is. That offense is really holding him back. He has all the arm ability, uh, but he panics within structure. He just wants to uh, play hero ball and run around and make plays, but the off-platform stuff is incredible. Mm-hmm. Even though the so, off-platform stuff is great and you need an element of that in today's game, here's the thing. You have to still play within structure. Structure is where games are won. If you play well within structure, you'll be fine. If you get blown up, that's when you have to play outside of structure. But the Mahomes... The Brady's, the Rogers, the Wilsons, they're still doing their best work within structure. And if Willis just can't ever figure that out, and I know people talk about him as a 23-year-old prospect, which I get, but this is only his second year as a starting quarterback. So I'm not as worried about that as some others. Now, if Kenny Pickett was doing these kind of things, as like it feels like a 10-year starter at Pitt. <laughs> that's a whole different story, right? mm mm-hmm. uh, I And he can run the football. He's the best runner at the quarterback position we've seen since Lamar Jackson. And you could you could put him on par with Lamar Jackson as a quality runner. They just run differently. Uh, Willis is much more of a powerful guy. He's going to kind of run right at you, run you over. Lamar is a complete speed demon, and he's going to try and juke you out of your shoes. But Willis needs to play within structure in order to be successful. I don't know if he's going to get that chance, and that really worries me. And at, just as a prospect, it's really hard to even take this guy like top 20. Like uh, He's going to be a back end of the first round trade up just to get the fifth year option kind of player. And going into the season, I didn't think I would be talking about that.
0: No, and, and you know what? You, you you mentioned it. Two-year starter at a school like Liberty, but it's not like he's just some scrub that just like happened to, uh, to put up some good numbers and, and get on people's radars. Like, he was a five-star, or four or five-star commit to Auburn initially and transferred because they preferred Bo Nix, which I don't know. Uh, there's a joke in there somewhere, but I don't look, know where it is.
1: I don't blame them for picking Bo Nix. Bo Nix in that first game, Beat Oregon on a neutral field to the last second. Combat, oh, I right? know, but he's that- got every tool. He just can't keep it together every single game. Consistent. There you go. That's that's his problem. It's it's not natural ability. He has it. He's just bone I guess is the best way to say it. Now I know
0: we're running a little long on time. I know that you have another commitment. So I got I got one more, and then I don't know if you have another one. I do. But- all right, cool. I got, I, again, another two for one, but this is a positivity two for one. They both play on the same defense. Uh One had some high expectations. The other one didn't. I'm going to go with two guys at Georgia in uh, Jordan Davis, uh, uh the defensive tackle, and Nicobe D in the linebacker. Now, I'm going to start with Davis. I liked Jordan Davis over the summer. I just had questions about whether or not he can stay on the field consistently. I mean, because the last couple years, he's been a starter, but... You know, midway through the third quarter, he, he's looking for the sidelines. He wants to come out. He needs a breeder. And he's been on the field far more this year, and he has been possibly the best defensive lineman in the country this year. Uh He is just an absolute brick shithouse, for lack of a better term. Uh Monster against the run, throwing offensive lineman everywhere. I'd love to see him go up against, like, Tyler Linderbaum. I just need that to happen. Um but he just overpowers everyone. He has some pass r- rush upside. He might be kind of in that Vita Vea mold, which I didn't really see uh, coming to fruition. I thought maybe he'd be just kind of that gigantic space eater like Casey Hampton back in the day.
1: Uh, God, but good now, old
0: Casey Hampton. Yeah, good old good Casey night. Hampton. C- Casey Hampton, Corey Simon, throwing whichever 340-pound nose tackle you want. Uh, with that one. But no, he's definitely gonna be a guy that's on the field 70, 80% of, of the snaps once he gets it going, uh, at the next level. And then Nicole Dean, um, he might be the smartest linebacker in the entire country. Uh, they mentioned it in the Clemson game. He's like an Aero, uh, uh, aeronautics engineer student. Uh, and like a 4.0 GPA in that. So, you know, he just kind of watches film whenever he has the chance that he's not building, you know, space, uh, craps. Um, but this is a, a guy that I didn't expect to be as good of an athlete. I thought, okay, he's just your typical, you know, smaller, undersized, you know, racks up tackles. I mean, he, he made a crap load of money against Clemson. He had the two sacks. He was everywhere. And he's been that way all year. And he's played himself into, potentially linebacker one. This isn't a great linebacker class. There's a lot of depth, but there's no star talent there. He went from a depth guy, a special teamer, to maybe being a first or a second round pick. And he, on a loaded Georgia defense, he's been one of the guys that stands out head and shoulders above the rest.
1: That Georgia defense is freaking stupid. There's like 11 future NFLers on that defense. Do you know how many points uh, they're allowing so far this season? Isn't it like seven a game? It's less than seven. It's 6.57 <laughs> points per game.
0: <laughs> well, they allowed 55 yards to Vanderbilt.
1: Total. I know. it's This Georgia defense is setting up to be a historic, historic college football defense. I was doing some research yesterday um, for NBC, and it was very interesting. I I tried to find, like, the top 10 defenses of all time as far as points allowed. I couldn't find a specific stat. But what I did find was there is a Tennessee defense in the 1920s that allowed 1.3 points per game. Mike, (laughs) 1.3. Did they allow, like, 10 points all year? Uh, that, that's about the only thing I can think of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 1.3. If we're talking like a 10 game season, cause it was the 20s and I don't think a lot of teams had, so you're talking maybe like an 8 or a 10 game season. They were like 13 points all year. Mm-hmm. F- I've yeah. tried not to cuss as much on the podcast, but you know what I'm about to say. What the fuck, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, you dirty mouth boy.
0: <laughs> all right. Last one and then we'll get out of here. Who's your ne- who's your last guy? All
1: right. I'm going I'm to do a stock up because I am one of the most positive people of all time, and it gets really annoying. You're from Minnesota. Uh, so,
0: like. No, yeah. we're
1: passive aggressive. That doesn't necessarily mean we're always super positive. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my last stock up is going to be uh, one of your boys, Mike. And I've been very impressed with him. And that's uh, um, our roadrunners, running back Sincere McCormick. Yeah. McCormick has been really, really good. Um, just against Rice, he only carried the ball 13 times but it early in the first late in the first quarter he ran 81 yards didn't get the score but set it up to really bury uh the Owls early and he's got really good vision in the hole he has enough juice to be able to bust some long runs but he's not going to be a great finisher at the next level and McCormick is a guy who he decides to come out this year you know college football I me mean, wants him to stay because UTSA I think he could be really good next year but I think he should probably come out cuz he's a running back. you are looking at a guy who could be a 3rd or 4th round pick that I think can really help out a team early.
0: I think I'm so glad you mentioned McCormick, one of my favorite guys. I I told Nick when he, you know, was getting started on Conference USA, listen, you got to watch UTSA. He goes, "You well, you kidding me? I got to watch UTSA?" I said, "Yeah, especially the running back. The dude's got really good field vision behind an average to above average offensive line doesn't necessarily have the greatest breakaway speed, but when he, when he sees a hole, he hits it hard. I think he's also going to be really good as a returner and has some, some pass, um, catching upside. Again, fourth, maybe the fifth round at the latest. It's really hard to tell with running backs because of what the NFL values, but. Someone's gonna get him and he's gonna contribute right away in some facet, which coming out of UTSA, I don't think that sentence has ever been said. And they had, uh, Marcus Davenport going round one and that they're still waiting on, on him to produce.
1: <laughs> but, uh,
0: Tyler, uh, is there anything you want to say before we get on out of here?
1: Yeah. Um, Texas is still not back. Nope. Um, but I have a lot of hope for Texas. Because even in their losses, they have played good football, and they I don't can't understand.
0: Finish is the problem.
1: No, and that's going to come with time because that's a lot of that's going to be a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you overcome that one barrier, that one hump, and you do it, and you finish a team that probably should have beaten you, that's when you're going to be able to look and say, "Hey, that was the turning point for Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns. He has them on the right track with that offense." Recruiting is not going to be an issue. They're, uh, they're to my knowledge, they're the front runners right now for Arch Manning, which is a big, big deal. If you land a recruit like Arch Manning, that's going to speak volumes about where your program is headed. Mm-hmm. And with the turmoil we've seen since the end of the Mac Brown era, that Texas fans deserve it. I'm very it's been
0: intrigued, very intrigued oh, to see what happens there. It's been like a full decade. I just realized that, like Mac Jones left. After Colt McCoy, it's been almost ten full years where they just haven't been good. Yeah. Or Charlie Strong took at, over okay. in twenty thirteen. Yeah.
1: I say?
0: Yeah, I think because Mac Jones and Colt McCoy left at the same time. Mac Brown. Did I say Mac Jones? Yeah. God damn it! The media's is brainwashing me, and now I can't, I can't, I can't not say Mac Jones. No matter who I want to talk okay. about. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right. Uh, so Tyler, if the people want to find your work, where can they find you?
1: They can find me on Twitter at The Real Forno. I do writing for, uh, NBC Sports. By the time this podcast is out, I will have my weekly Notre Dame article ready to roll, breaking down the matchup from a betting perspective against USC and kind of how I see the lines should be played. There's also a special, uh, free predictor contest. Seven questions, all um, heavy multiple choice, uh, different props for the game. And if you hit all seven, you can win $10,000. So check that out. I also write for uh, USA Today Vikings Wire. I just had a piece drop last week breaking down the Vikings offense from an analytics perspective and what, what needs to be done to fix the offense. And I think we saw a lot of that on Sunday. Just let Kirk throw the football. Stop being cute. Stop running the ball all the time, just like Kirk throw, and you're going to see success. Um, and then, yeah, that's about it right now.
0: Yeah. You know what? It's funny. You mentioned the, the, yeah, you know, the Vikings need to, run, uh, throw the football. The Eagles are having that opposite problem. They need to run the football more because they can't throw. Um,
1: they need to throw the football over the freaking middle, run mesh, run RPOs, stop only throwing to the outside. I mean, did you see his pass map against Tampa Bay? Oh yeah, yeah. Square peg, round hole. Meet that. That oh,
0: that's been the Jalen Hurts experience.
1: I I like Jalen Hurts more than most, and I think he can be the guy in Philly. But he's got to be willing to throw a ball over the middle, and they need to design things for him to throw over the middle. They need to off
0: the make- five plays.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I run the uh, Veer. It's oh, what's what's the Freaking line. Um I run the veer, run six plays, just give it time, like Novocaine. it always works. <laughs> there we go. I uh, still the quote and I don't care.
0: All right. But yes, you can find uh Tyler on Twitter at the Real Forno. That's gonna do it for today, guys. You can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore Draft. You can find Devin at Real D underscore Jackson, follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work over at Blue Chip Scouting, follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. All the ad reads are going to be at the end of this because I wasn't going to bother and take time out of Tyler's day to throw in an ad read. And uh, Devin will be seeing you guys on Tuesday because I am MIA. So have a good weekend, everybody. I want to thank our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet for whatever your needs are. With nine amazing flavors to choose from, all of which covered in 100% chocolate. Oh, by the way, guys, they have several monthly Special offer bars as well, all of which have up to 19 grams of protein with only 4 grams of added sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. Built Bar has whatever you're looking for. Whether you're looking for a delicious snack, a pre or post workout bar, or need to keep up with your macros, Built Bar is a top of the first round protein bar. See what I did there? Draft puns. Head on over to builtbar.com and use the promo code big shots for 10% off your next order. That's big shots, all one word, 10% off your next order at builtbar.com.